0: This podcast, You Are What You Read, is brought to you by Book of the Month. Book of the Month is a monthly subscription service that allows you to curate your own original box of books each month from a selection of hundreds of bestsellers. Book of the Month features diverse and current titles for all readers, and they make their subscription options easy and flexible so you can spend less time researching and more time reading. Behind on your reading list? Skip the monthly selection and use a credit for a book the following month. Prefer to listen to titles when you're on the go? Opt for an audiobook. Book of the Month has a reading experience tailored just for you. If you're already reading most Book of the Month titles, try a membership in 2024. And because you're a listener here at You Are What You Read, you can head to bookofthemonth.com to get your first book for just $9.99. That's right, $9.99. Just use code ADRI at checkout. That's A-D-R-I at checkout. Happy reading. Jhumpa Lahiri has fascinated and enchanted readers around the world since her debut story collection, Interpreter of Maladies, won the Pulitzer Prize in 2000. Since then, Jhumpa has authored The Namesake, Unaccustomed Earth, and The Lowland, which was a finalist for both the Man Booker Prize and the National Book Award in Fiction. Today, she's going to talk about her current release of short stories, Roman Stories. In this week's episode of You Are What You Read, Jumpa shares with us her craft and her deep attachment to what makes us human. Her writing is empathetic and elegant, and it's set before us to guide us to make our own assumptions and to explore our own ideas. What I love about Jumpa's work is that she's daring with it. She's a master of vernacular, and since 2015, she has been writing her fiction, essays, and poetry in Italian. Jumpa received the National Humanities Medal from President Barack Obama in 2014, and in 2019, she was named Commendatore of the Italian Republic by President Sergio Mattarella. Her most recent book in English, Translating Myself and Others, was a finalist for the Penn Spiel Spielvogel Award for the Art of the Essay. We're going to start, jump a story where it all began for her in books, what she read as a child. Do you remember the first book you read as a child? Well, they must have been story books. So, do you you remember the little golden books? Maybe did your mother get you? Mother and father got you those? Yeah, I had those. Um, Were you a Nancy Drew girl? Eventually, Nancy Drew. <laughs> um,
1: yes, yeah, before Nancy Drew, Bobsey Twins, I believe, was the stepping stone to Nancy Drew. Um, I read a lot of Greek myths. Um, mm-hmm. I read, yeah, I just I, I read a, a mix. I think of. Older literature for children, sure, and sort of what was coming out in the seventies when I was a kid. So uh, Judy Bloom, Judy Bloom, yeah, she was huge, huge. Um, in fact, I had teachers who would read her books aloud to mm-hmm. us. Um, wow! For um, also to teach us a lot of things we
0: needed to know (laughs) (laughs) that's right because our parents weren't telling us those things so judy judy bloom really had to tell us what the story was right she did did you ever read beverly cleary i did yeah she was one of my favorites did you read 15 and the luckiest girl do you remember those no they were her yas they were written in the 50s but i'm with you i was in the 70s and i read them then uh how about harriet the spy i loved harriet the spy yeah I mean, don't you feel in a sense that you could, you became a New Yorker because you read that book a little bit?
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, a kind of, again, a precursor to something
0: like Catcher in the Rye. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Did you like Jane Eyre or Wuthering Heights? I prefer Jane Eyre. Me too. Now, why do you prefer Jane Eyre? I just love her story. Mm Mm-hmm. I find it um,
1: much more disturbing, actually, um, and uh, beautiful and haunting and
0: um, less over the top in a way. Sure. Yeah. Wuthering Tights is big sweeping. In fact, David Niven, when he starred in the movie adaptation, called it Wuthering Tights because it was so emotional, so crazy. Yeah. Everything's ramped up. Um but I, I like the control
1: of Jane Eyre in a world where everything is clearly not at all in, in control or under control.
0: I, I I love that you say that. I always think of Jane as that character who had no reason to do the right thing. None. She was not connected. She parents were gone. She had the mean aunt. She 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 lived by. She had a moral code. Yes. And, and isn't that, you know, in the spine of when you're building a character to write about a character, the moral code is essential, isn't it? One way or the other, it doesn't matter what the moral code is. Do you believe that?
1: I do. I mean, I think the character has to have a, a discernible, a, a center, even if that's contradicted by her behavior.
0: Now, when it came time to start reading to your little babies, and I'm sure you read to them, what did you read to them? Well, depending on how old they were. Yeah, well let's start at the beginning. Let's go all the way back when you're pointing to things. We
1: we, we started off with the you know, the board books, the colors and the numbers and the animals and Good Night Moon.
0: What is it about Good Night Moon?
1: It's so beautiful. It's, it's atmospheric. Atmospheric. It's haunting too. Good night moon. Mm-hmm. We loved reading Beatrix Bodder together. We loved reading Frog
0: and Toad books. We loved reading Maury Sendak. So in the same way that books sort of shape you, what you were attracted to, it's so interesting to me because um, the Bobsey Twins' Nancy Drew trajectory really takes you somewhere. Um, so, some folks say that a writing style is determined right from the beginning and what appealed to you as a young reader. Did you find books magical on some level?
1: Well, I found books, books were my friends. Books were the the friends I felt most comfortable with and books were literally teaching me English. So books were, books were a mode of survival in that I was deepening my understanding of the English language um, and how to put sentences together and how to say things. And books were exposing me to, when I was young, books were exposing me to a culture American culture, a culture that I wasn't experiencing firsthand. So books were doing a a lot of work for me. They weren't just
0: passing the time. And when you were growing up in Rhode Island, were you part of the Italian-American community outside of your home? You mean Indian-American or Italian? Yeah, I know. Well, I know you in the home, it was an Indian-American family. But like when you went out, because uh, your pathway to your Italian, because you're really an Italianate writer, human being. You love the Italian culture. I, I, I just want to sort of have an understanding of how you got there. Why it appealed to you.
1: Um, it was calling to me, I think, for for a long time. But I, when as a, I was a child, I mean, I grew up with a lot of Italian-Americans in Rhode Island. There was, um, you know, I grew up with Italian-Americans, uh, Portuguese-Americans, and Irish-Americans, mostly those were the sort of Dominant um, groups of you know you know cultures um ethnicities um and my school principal was italian American I remember there was a big Italian flag um, mm-hmm. planted outside of his home and he lived just down the street from my parents' home um, but really, when I was a child, Italy had nothing to do with my life at all other than I, as I said, you know, I was very interested in mythology, and so I read, I read Greek mythology, but I off, often I read them in their Roman counterparts. Mm-hmm. Um, Roman counterparts. Like Calv- yeah, Italo Calvino. No, Dario no, we Fo, talking, none of that. We're talking about no, no, no. We're just we're talking about like Jupiter, Juno.
0: Sure. Like, oh, I see. See the uh, classic uh, Greek
1: yeah, tales. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, and I was very interested as a young child in. um in ancient Rome, ancient Rome. And I, I wrote a report when I was a young girl on ancient Rome, which kind of uh, strikes me now, looking back, that, that the, the seeds were were already there in some sense.
0: Before we explore Jumpa's writing in Italian, I want to include a passage from her latest translated work, Roman Stories, a brilliant collection of searching stories written in Jumpa's adopted language of Italian and translated by the author and by Knopf editor Todd Portnowitz. The passage comes from the concluding tale titled Dante Alighieri, whose words lead the protagonist toward a new way of life. Quote, You travel a certain distance, you desire and make decisions, and you're left with recollections, some shimmering and some disturbing that you'd rather not conjure up. But today, in the Basilica, memory dominates the deepest kind. It waits for you under the rock, bits of yourself still living and restless that shudder when you expose them. That's from Jumpa, and we're going to return to our conversation now about Roman stories in Roman stories. I found it so emotional and atmospheric Jumpa, I found it. I, I love your writing. I mean, I, I, I don't even like to place you on my shelf in a particular way because I feel what you write has such a, um, a, a center to it. And there is a, there is a simplicity and yet when you stand back from one of your stories, it feels very embroidered and layered. I have an emotional reaction. Um, there, there, there are many themes that you deal with in Roman stories, but I, I, I kept writing this down. Um, the shattered dreams of our fathers what the, in The Boundary, for example. What a beautiful character that father is. Um, and what he endures in the, a very violent act in, in that story, and the perception of the narrator. You, every story is loaded with something that is cataclysmic in a person's life, something that they're not going to shake, that they're never going to forget. I'm interested in, in, in how you get there.
1: Well thank you so much for for saying that um, that's very gratifying to me to hear uh, i i've just i'm always looking for the way in to a character and to her is her their um, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. life and and sort of circling in on a moment or a series of moments or a Uh, um, a moment in real time, or a memory, or a reflection. I don't know. I mean, I think
0: stories are so mysterious. Well, they are, but they're rooted in the moment. Mm -hmm. Your stories are very rooted in the moment. You unveil a world, a place, a time in Italy where people are renting out their houses. There was just a, I read in the paper this morning, that That there is a in New York City people are renting out their apartments they're going somewhere else and they're renting out now in Italy, this is something that happens on a regular basis during tourist seasons, which are the summers mm-hmm. so you bring us into this world, and there's a young woman and she 's showing the renters the whole scope of the place and how to how to manage it and I thought, how fabulous that you you you're taking a worldwide trend probably without being noticing it or, 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 or that wasn't your intent, perhaps, but by showing us or dramatizing displacement, you now have us rooting for their placement. You have us rooting for their sense of belonging. You have us rooting for their sense of family and community. It's so artful and it is so real. And I well, I thought to myself, well, this was written. This wasn't written last night, but somehow, as I read your book, I found it so alive and pulsating in the present. Do you believe that you have some kind of soul connection to what's happening in this world as a writer?
1: No, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I, I, I'm an observant person. I'm a curious person. And I'm a person who processes what I see and what I think about in language, and that's why I think I became a writer because this is this is part of my nature to notice things, to notice perhaps things that are easily overlooked. Um, mm-hmm. I remember my mother always saying, kind of laughing, because you know, I so I'm a little bit phobic about
0: bugs and things like that. And there's a lot of bugs in your books, which <laughs> I love. There's a moth that comes through, there's flies. You engender and enlist them through sound. It's one of the the buzzing, the flapping. And I think there's no level that you don't meet me as a reader.
1: Well, I mean I'm I'm aware of them, right? And I So, so what, what I was going to say is my mother would say what you know, I would say, oh, there's a bug there. And she would say, where? <laughs> I say, there, I see it. And (laughs) you can always take fun of me and say, nobody else sees these things. But, you know, Ah. you somehow walk into a room and your eye goes right to, like, that little speck on the wall that you're drawing our attention to, saying, why is that there? And, I mean, maybe it's just because I'm kind of, you know, as I said, somewhat phobic about bugs and things. But I think it also speaks to sort of the way that my... Literally, my vision works. You know, I sort of mm-hmm. look at my eyes tend yes. to fall to the thing that is anomalous, mm-hmm. and um
0: and maybe that's part of the the larger motor. Well, that's making sense. That your observation, your ability not to miss a trick, your acute peripheral vision, where you see something moving, where you see a speck where no one else sees it. Yeah,
1: yeah. I often find that that is. The case just sometimes in real life, I'll say, you know, I'll I'll have an experience with someone, and then I'll say, "Oh, did you notice the people at the other table who were X and, you know?" They'll say, (laughs) "No, no, no, I I absolutely did not register that at all." But I seem to take certain things in. I, I don't know.
0: Well, you know, as an overarching idea, I could say that you take the ordinary, but within that ordinary moment, something cataclysmic or um, unexpected, or perhaps predetermined, is about to happen. I, I took down so many notes of just feelings that I had, and my emotions, my, the arc of my emotions as I read you, you know, the importance of a clean house, the description of the padrone and her, you know, the way she did things, as she cooked, and how she put it out there, and and um. But but the river upon which it all runs for me, Shumpa, is the way we treat people, mm-hmm. like the the big themes of life, in, in 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 very simple ways how we move through the world and how we treat people, and you write that you write about that you don't write to it you write you write it so that it's manifest. Am I making sense?
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I mean that's a wonderful um, place to pause. I think in 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 in, in the conversation in any conversation, sort of how we treat each other. So, so much of it does boil down to that, you know, mm-hmm. because it's um, the world is a complicated place, and um, many of us are strangers to one another many of us know each other intimately but it it really boils down to how we're treating each other i think Mm -hmm. Uh, i'm going to think about that um i mean obviously i think in this book well in many of my books but in this book i'm really i am isolating Mm -hmm. moments of people being mistreated oh yes yes
0: Mm -hmm. but as a reader when you pull me into a world I don't forget how you make me feel and how you challenge my emotional grid, what you push me to look at, what you encourage me to experience. This kept coming up for me. You have a love of history as a writer, and I'm not surprised hearing what you read as a child. You have a love of history. But as a writer, you often erase it, you completely erase it. So I'm in the moment with these characters in a certain place. And I I wanted to ask you this question as a writer, do you prefer to have a totally blank canvas?
1: Um, It depends. I mean, there've been books that have been more um, tied to history or moving, um, you know, stepping out of a, of a, of a a historical reality or referencing, referencing history. Um, I think, you know, in Roman stories, I'm working on a, a in a more abstract key, and though the story mm. of the book is called "Roman Stories," and I refer to Rome in a very, very sporadic way, I'm not really interested in specific questions of, of of history, and Rome is, of course, a city that is a, a, a history lesson every single day that you're
0: mm-hmm. walking through it and living and breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's air. And, and whenever a pipe bursts in Rome, they find something else buried under that city that, that's unearthed, and it's always a surprise. They do. They do.
1: Um, and and perhaps it's, it's spending time and building a life now in a city that is so dense with history, with layers of history, that um, has enabled me to have a different kind of approach and focus mm-hmm. with my characters, and I have removed... Some of the specifics, right? Of sort of mm-hmm. what what are they called? Where exactly are they from? Um, but what binds them together is a sense of alienation, often, uh, and 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 a, and a connection to Rome. I do believe that the book is also representative in some limited way uh, of, of 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 the contemporary. Reality of Rome, yes. of what what is going on in Rome today? Because Rome is a city that is, um, you know, sometimes sort of uh, groaning with history, if you will. There's just sure. so much of it, you know, and and so many people go to it seeking a connection with
0: with its history, with the antiquities, with, yeah, with its mm-hmm. with the
1: ancient history, with you know all of the other layers of history. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, even up to its more recent history, but you know, the, the, the present day isn't history yet. It will be. <laughs> it will be history soon enough. Um, but, but this collection is, um, I think, um, you know, really, really drawn from my, my life in Rome and my, 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 relationship with rome uh which is quite new which is really only about a decade
0: old mm-hmm. but you feel at home there i do very much yes it's 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 almost as if you're pulling a thread you know you did some some interesting things you use the short story which i think is one of the most difficult forms in prose i just think it's tough it is to really it's really t- <laughs> it's really tough I try to explain this to folks it's 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 to to read a a short story collection is to savor many many prisms of a writer's soul. It's 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 little glints of light on different subjects. And you did something really artful where you wrote a short story collection, then you pulled it into a novel. Threads, threads, threads. I always think of your work like that. That that you're. You return to theme, but it's, there's a sense in your, in your storytelling that it's part of a whole. It's not, there is nothing that's divorced from each other. It's, it's part of a whole. And I think that that is very Italian.
1: Mm, Interesting.
0: And I, I, I've tried to, um, I try to explain this to folks about Italy my perceptions of Italy—that's my, all my people are from there. And and folks often say to me, "Well, what is what is it about Italy? It was just voted the number one culture in the world, where people want to go there." And you know, the country has all of its various—you know—I always said from a mixed marriage because my parents were from different parts of Italy, and they're my my grandparents. But Italy holds the history of humanity in it. Every culture went through there or was rooted there on some level at a certain point of history, right? Everybody from the Vikings, Africans, Asians, I mean, we could keep going, the whole stew of middle Europe. I'm not surprised when you're at home there because it's your country. It has a sense of belonging to everyone. Yes. Nowhere else in the world is it like that. I feel that when I go there and visit my family.
1: It's a world um, in and of itself, and it's a very,
0: um, you're right. I mean, the whole world has gone to Italy, you know, in some sense. And had an influence on it. Mm -hmm. Even if you track currently the COVID virus, Bergamo, where my people are from on my mother's side, that whole mountain. There's something in the living history there. And it affects even the current times, which which leads me to this question. I always find it interesting, or maybe impossible, to be a parent and a writer. It requires so much of your space. I was talking to Alice Hoffman, the novelist, the other day, and I said, Alice, do you ever walk around the streets of New York and wonder what people are thinking about? I know what you're thinking about. You're a writer. You're thinking about your, your story that you're trying to tell. It, it takes up space in our heart, our souls, our brains. And I wonder, what well, if a person isn't a writer, what are they want what are they walking around thinking about? What are they thinking about? Because a writer, it never leaves you even in your sleep state. It's true. It, it, it just doesn't. and and we know as mothers, we carve it out, all right? Because the children come first, the husband comes first, the partner comes first, we get that. We know that people come first. But always there's that little engine. I call it the subconscious. People have all different words for it. The imagination, the soul, whatever you want to call it. What is it for you?
1: Well, I think it's just uh, one ongoing part of who, who I am. And it's the interior core of who I am in some sense. and um, And sometimes it has more space to kind of emerge and breathe and take over the other parts of my mm-hmm, life. And then mm-hmm. sometimes it really has to fold down um, very neatly and tuck itself away because other things in life are happening.
0: Almost like origami. You have mm-hmm. to put it away. All those little bits and pieces, all those characters, all those thoughts.
1: Sometimes it really it really does have to be folded up and, 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 and put away but not forgotten. Right. Not forgotten, and then you unfold it again and and...
0: Bring it back out and start embroidering again. Yes. Can I? Can I want to ask you this question? I don't know if anybody's ever asked you this, but there's a big lie out there about women that we reach a certain point in life and like it's over. And I, I'd like you to speak to this for me. Our kids are in college, and I had a revelation. I cried. I cried when my kid cursed a couple of days, but then. I found hours in the day that weren't there before. I found hours. Did you find those hours again? And did you just say, Oh, I'm back, baby, I'm back? Yeah, I mean it's
1: it's all uh you know, an ebb and flow, you know, and um and it is energizing to or re energizing to remember that, you know. Um, there, there are whole pockets of time, and if you don't want to make dinner, who cares? Doesn't matter. You can curl up with a book, right? Um, so yes, there, there, there are freedoms to be gained. Um, at the same time, you know, my children are the center of my life. Oh um, yeah,
0: of course.
1: I think of them every day, and I, I every day I don't see them. I I know a little piece of your hearts. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's good things, but it's also so beautiful to see them grow and and mature and it's change and, and to grow independent and um to, to, to navigate things for, you know, by themselves, for themselves, to make decisions, uh, to take big steps that you're not choreographing for them. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That's also very important because I think, you know, our biggest task is to, enable them to live you know without us and that is just being practical um and and that's also uh, crucial you know to 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 allow them to separate and to have their lives so um it's it's bittersweet it's it is it's bittersweet it's not a simple simple process i know that from growing up myself and watching my parents you know struggle with letting us go but wanting Mm. us also be, you know, established and on our own, established mm-hmm. on, on our own ground, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, and I see that now with my own children,
0: of course. Well, I'm going to say this, okay? Uh, I find you profoundly beautiful. I mean, interior, exterior, okay? Because I we read you, so we know you're beautiful on the inside, but you're a really gorgeous woman, and uh, with eyes that are. They're like the Mediterranean Sea. They're a color that I don't see all the time. There is something so, how should I say it? Enchanting, hypnotic, and it's on the page. It's not something that you flaunt or, you know, but it's the real deal. It's the real thing. You're so very kind. Well, I mean it from the bottom of my heart. I have loved talking to you. Um, I love your trajectory of books from the time you were, a wee one to now and how you have taken your beautiful family history and the things that matter to you and you've made them real to us on the page. It's really, it's quite a talent, but it's bigger than that. It's, it's, it's art.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for this conversation and for reading the book. Thank you.
0: We're going to end our conversation with Jumpa Lahiri with a line from her best-selling novel, The Namesake. That's the thing about books. They let you travel without moving your feet. In 2024, I hope books take you to places you have never been or experience places that you long to return. I also hope that our podcast, You Are What You Read, allows you to travel with these great guests every week to discover new places and ideas. You can listen to our catalog of conversations now on the You Are What You Read podcast page on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Enjoy episodes with the luminaries of our times, including Sarah Jessica Parker, Lydia Bastianich, Jacqueline Woodson, Craig Ferguson, Mitch Albom, Katie Couric, Stephen Wright, Andre Leon Talley, and more. For updates and book giveaways, join us on Instagram at Adriana Trajani and You Are What You Read podcast. Once again, thank you for listening this week and always, always thank you for reading.